Hello and welcome to Bottled Up on a mission to create conversations and make the mental health of men a top priority. You're joined by myself, Sunny, and Mayank, close friends from university who want to share the stories of everyday people on our platform. The reason? Because we are not alone. Before we kick this conversation off, thank you for tuning in and listening. If you haven't already, it would be awesome if you could rate, review, and follow our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your conversations. It makes a huge difference to our reach with these awesome guests and potentially life-saving conversations. And if you haven't just yet, it takes 20 to 30 seconds to leave us a review and would help us out massively. Thank you again and buckle up for another great conversation. We, uh, we don't usually, like firstly, must I gotta pass on my kudos, we don't usually get many people that want to come back on for a second time. <laughs> <laughs> that's, why, that's why you're the first. <laughs> they've, had enough, they've had enough of you after the first time. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, obviously, <laughs> um, I remember, It's actually very I surprising. <laughs> oh, it is, oh, it is. <laughs> uh, we've had a lot of people reach out um, after that episode. Um, I remember quite distinctively, uh, we've had it, and even like I think Cal from Young Bloods also got you on his podcast as well. So, um, yeah, gen- generally mean it when I say, um, very insightful, um, one of the more memorable ones that I've had to date. Like, obviously, being the first time I've gotten behind the mic with you, so um, I'm glad you've been able to come back on and rock and roll with us. Um, good, yeah, and uh, is it is it Inakshi? Have I, have yeah, Inakshi, yeah, yeah, yeah. If she's listening, you've uh, you've got an awesome man by your side. Uh, <laughs> She'll be the one listener for my episode, I'm sure. <laughs> if, if, if not my mum. Yeah. <laughs> we've made a lot of people deaf uh, after listening to our episodes. So. Yeah. <laughs> At least we've got listenership, so that's the main thing. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> Too late now, you're not backing out now. Yeah, no, no, no not at all. Um, yeah, so obviously um, you guys are planning on traveling sometime soon. Um, obviously, it's really hard with lockdown, no lockdown, COVID, no COVID. Um, planning things out but you're off to Europe in a couple of weeks I hear correct Huge, um, yeah and even planning trips in this day and age is different yeah. um, you got to calculate everything plan ahead and even with running a, a business um, to the to the extent I'm running it now I've had to really plan ahead and predict a lot of the stuff I'm doing um, mm. which is not something I've had to do for a holiday before usually I just get up and go yeah um, but this one's very spreadsheeted how have you um, found married life How how's that How's like the first sort of couple mu- is it months? Is it months now. or yes. yeah, yeah, two months? Yeah, how's the first couple of months been? Is it any any different? <laughs> um, any it's more, funny. Any wiser? All uh, living together as well. <laughs> yes, my partner and I discussed this. A lot of people say, or we've heard a lot of our friends say that after marriage, like nothing much has changed. Mm. Um, it's very much the same old. We're still the same people with each other. Um, but the way her and I approached it was a bit different. Where we were like, let's be intentional about. Hey, we've we've made a commitment for life here that means something to what, like, what does that mean to us? Let's figure that out. And inside of that, like, let's create a new life post-marriage together and, and start creating a future together. Mm. So that in that way, mm. it has been different because I felt we stepped in a lot of adult responsibilities. We weren't really thinking about uh, pre-marriage, uh, for example, even small things like joint bank accounts, but more to, more than that, like the finances mm. and the financial future that we're trying to plan together, how we, catering towards our future plans, um, children in the future. We've already started talking about all these things. And it was like from the moment we got married, it just mm. kicked into gear. Did you did you guys have a lot of these conversations before um, 
obviously a lot of people get together they're together for a couple of years sometimes even just one year or two years um, and mm. then they get married but often you find that a lot of people find it really difficult having a lot of these conversations like the number of kids that you want to have when you want to have kids you know your approach to finances you know kind of fleshing out different scenarios that might happen mm. um how did you guys both approach it well a year back uh me having a conversation about children would have been felt like that it would have <laughs> yeah. felt awkward i wasn't mm. ready for it yeah <laughs> so, um it's it's more of like I'm just ready to have the conversation. I think she was a lot more ready before I yeah. was, but um, uh, it's come to the point now where it's like, hey, I'm I'm stepping into uh, the man that I want to be more and more each day. Um, I we're getting clearer and clearer on what our life looks like together and our plan going forward. And inside of that, it gave me confidence to be like, hey, I'm ready to actually have that conversation, even if we're not having children right now, but to have it and be like, what does this look like for us, so we can be intentional about. Yeah how we step into that next phase, mm. um, which, yeah, it just feels like it's coming up quite fast. The mm. same thing happened with marriage. Um, when it happened, like when we were ready for it, things just flew in like six months, um, mm. conversations, um, all the way to getting the engagement ring, all the way to planning the wedding and making it happen. We ended up planning the wedding in three months. Um, the entire thing. Yeah. Three months. Yeah, yeah. Imagine organizing oh, wow. a 21st in oh. three months, let alone marriage. <laughs> yeah, geez. And so normally people like normally it's like Correct. a year, like a, a, a year plan. When I hear like a lot of my lot of my friends are getting married, it's marriage, it's, it's wedding season at the moment, um, for me. And I I hear people you know taking a year, but three months. I mean, like there's nothing that's that's pretty cool. Yeah, you, it's pretty organized that you guys actually mm. got it done in three months. Well, this is what I meant by it transformed who we were to even put together a, a wedding like that because mm. her and I organized pretty much the whole thing, um, and coordinated pretty much everything from back to front, talking to all the suppliers. Um, to her credit, and now she's an incredible mm. just organizer. Organizer, I think being a lawyer, she's just been trained, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and drilled. Yeah. And I'm learning so much from her yeah. as a man who's just been thoroughly disorganized his whole life until maybe the last year or two, honestly. Mm, yeah. Um, but yeah, um, just planning and organizing something like that actually grew us together. It strengthened our relationship. It mm. brought up stuff for us. To have to mm. deal with inside ah. of our relationship before we went into a commitment uh for life right yeah what kind of right. stuff was brought up yeah um like just so many I'm trying to, like we were talking about um making decisions together mm. um even around like bringing it back to finances right uh, and like what kind of things we'd have to consider about each other as we're married and living together 24 7 and mm. making decisions together for our life um and that would I'm trying to think of one particular instance. Actually, one the one that pops up to mind right now is like our first dance. Like mm. even trying to just dance together and practice it over and over and over again. My stuff was coming up because we weren't getting the dance perfect. And so like, I'd be like, let's screw this. I can't be bothered doing this. We're yeah. doing this all the time. Now yeah. it's changing again. There's like, we're like a week out. I'm not, I'm done with this. Yeah. Um, and then we had to navigate um, like what, what was coming up for us um, inside of those conversations. It, for me, it was my perfectionism. Mm. Um, and then also just, we had every week, we had a meeting for the for the wedding for mm. the three months. Mm. So we would just, we would pretty much come to that meeting, have a discussion about what needed to be done, what needed to be delegated between us. And then we go out into the week and do those things. Yep. And to be honest, for me, that was super tiring. And I'm not used to just being held to that standard for mm. three months straight of, yeah. you have to do, this every week and I couldn't let it go because we had a wedding at the end of it, right? Mm. Like people 
we were accountable to people. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's not like I could let it slip, like if it was my own stuff, which I have done in the past. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But uh, it's a funny thing when you're accountable to others, and especially when we're trying to create a, an event that we want everyone to feel included, everyone to feel safe, everyone to feel special, everyone mm. to feel involved. It just brought up a whole lot more stuff um, around accountability and um, yeah, just completing tasks on time, organization planning, the whole lot. Damn. Yeah, yeah, I feel like there's so much to unpack in that, Hesh. Like, and this is this is the thing I love about you because I feel like our conversations can go in so many different divergent ways. Um, and there's a there's like there's so many different topics we can touch on, and I'm obviously very keen for like the next hour that we have together. Um, one, um, obviously for those listening, you're doing some awesome work with the model man. We touched on a lot of, a lot of the experiences that you've had with the model man, how it was born. Um, it was born out of, you know, in part, some of the experiences that you had with your dad and some of your, I guess, you know, maybe in one way, turbulent twenties or the twenties that were, um, you know, whatever way you want to describe it. Like, um, I think that was a really defining moment. For you and those that are listening in, um, we cover a lot of this in the second episode um, when Hesh and I uh, dive deep. We dive pretty deep um, into sort of you being on that hospital bed, facing yourself, um, some of the experiences with your dad. But for those listening in for the first time, um, do you want to give a little um, explanation about what the model man is and how it sort of came to life? Yeah, so the, obviously the model man is my organization. It's... Um... It was born out of the relationship between my father and I, as I mentioned in the last series, and kind of the struggles that he went through being a corporate man his whole life, um, struggling to deal with stress and the pressures of the workplace, and then bringing those pressures and stresses back into the home environment where it impacted our family. Um, and the impacts were far beyond on himself. They stretched into me, my brother, my mom, and then the people that we impacted and interacted with as well. And the model man eventually became an organization helping men to become male role models. Like that's mm-hmm. the premise of it. Uh, with a with a focus on the corporate or working professional sector in particular. And now um, as the business has evolved, we've moved on to business leaders as well, business owners. So pretty much anyone in managerial or leadership positions uh, that are facing stress, uh, time poor, energy poor in the days, struggling to strike that work-life balance uh, what we do is uh, we do performance coaching or performance mindset coaching with men to help them move from what I call a stress-centric performance mindset to a rest-centric performance mindset. Uh, that's, that's in short what we do. And I offer coaching programs around that mm. stuff as well. I have my own core program plus other programs that people can do later on as they go through their journey. But effectively, the bottom line of it is to, to create role models, to have people look at themselves uh, increase self-awareness in order to be better out in the world so that they can be a greater example for not only the people around them, but uh, people, any person that they encounter in their lives. Because mm. I believe that's the the root of, or, or like one of the biggest solutions that we can create for change is to create a world full of men who are leading by their example. Mm. Mm. And, and I think that underpins a lot of, you know, bad habits, bad discipline, not being true to ourselves, that can really come out in many different ways. The way we interact in our day-to-day, our relationship with others, um, our relationship with ourselves as well. And that was a very, um, 
you know, I don't want to be speaking for your dad here or sort of your relationship with him. But, um, you know, from our last conversation, that seemed to be a big thing. Um, a lot of the stress that came from, um, I remember your example specifically around sort of the muddy boots, you know, the muddy boots at work that used to be filled with like a lot of, you know, anger, frustration, stress, and you'd bring home those muddy boots from the workplace back home and stomp it on, you know, the other people that are in the house. Um, you know, we touched on, you know, you obviously just being married recently, and I think this is a perfect starting point to talk about that. You, um, you know, there's obviously a lot that you've experienced, you know, growing up in a South Asian household and the relationship you've had with your dad. Um, and that's made you a very intentional, conscious first person. Um, you're someone that's incredibly uh, intentional about everything that you do. Um, your relationship with, you know, your partner and, and those around you, maybe specifically your partner, and as you show up, uh, you know, into this next chapter in your life, you know, as two united people, um, you know, united by that bond, which is that commitment to be together for life. Um, how are you being conscious about your relationship in marriage? Because, you know, down the track, you're hopefully going to be a father very soon. And, you know, you're going to have to show up, you're going to have to be the role model for others, uh, especially the little heshers <laughs> that start running around. Um, so how, yeah, how, how are you sort of framing that and, and being intentional about what you do going forward? Mm. What I love about these conversations is I get to reflect on who I am as a person. Mm. And I don't often get asked these questions. So I really do appreciate them. Um, it's a good question. How am I being conscious about who I'm being going into marriage? That was the question. I'm yeah, going like, into fatherhood. Yeah, how, question, right? yeah, either or. Like, how are you being how are you being intentional about showing up and being the best person that you can? Because sometimes you're going to obviously feel shit. There's some days where you're going to be feeling shit. Uh, yeah. You know, work's not going to be working out as planned. Your days are not, you know, going to plan. And, you know, you might let that out, you know, in anger. I remember in one of our conversations, you talked a lot about, you know, especially when we get to that Bucks party story, like anger yeah. coming out and you training yourself, you know, in stress-centered situations, not to let the anger, you know, boil over you and let that be an outburst on mm -hmm. others. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, I hear you. Well, pointing to the anger part, I, it's about doing the work outside of the situations that bring up the reaction, right? Mm. So how I am intentional about things is day in, day out, I'm doing the work. And what the work is, is working on my mindset, making sure that I'm anchoring my life in what is truly important to me in order to drive my performance. And what I used to do was I used to self-sacrifice sacrifice my relationships, my health, my happiness, pretty much everything that was important to me in order to drive performance forward. And that model that I was operating on is what led to pretty much every problem I had in my life. I believe I can connect it back all the way to the previous episode where I actually talked about getting bottled mm. um, at 22 years old. Uh, I could even draw back my stress-centric behavior at that time and just the erratic approach that I had to life, leading me to make decisions that led me to that moment. Um, and just looking back on it, that, that kid in my twenties, uh, those were all teaching moments for me that have led me to this place where now I've built this organization. And if I hadn't gone through that pain, I would have never been able to have this passion and create these projects to put it out mm. there for others to learn from. One of your big strengths, um, Hessian, and I think this is a reflection that I've had in the first 10 minutes of this conversation, as well as the 45 minutes that I've, that I listened to, um, in the first episode, as well as our catch up episode is your ability to self-reflect. I think that's a massive, massive strength because that, that shows that you know yourself 
um and not and i think like not many people do know themselves and i think like as as, as a key part of um you know being intentional is knowing your own knowing your own self and knowing your own identity and knowing that obviously we're all shaped by our own experiences but i'd love to know particularly for um people who haven't who haven't listened to your own have, haven't listened to the previous episode you know just the reflections of of your own personal identity and where you sort of how you sort of how you've sort of seen yourself from early childhood to now yeah i mean to summarize that in one sentence i am what i value yeah. right so heshan at 20 years old wasn't aware of what he truly valued and even the things that he did value deep down he wasn't living in alignment with them and therefore i couldn't be myself mm. so when you talk about identity i think the identity of Hesh at 20 years old, um, he had particular beliefs about himself and the world that weren't necessarily true or were, let's call like stress-centric beliefs, mm. right? And that caused me to have thoughts that were negative and limiting, which led to, uh, I guess, the quality of the decisions that I made about what to do in my life, which led to the actions that I took, which led to pretty much the the low quality of life I was leading. So Hesh at 22 didn't know who he was because he didn't know what he valued. Mm. Yeah. And I think that's a big thing for people to get. There's a lot of people in this world and even the people that I work with when they come to me, I ask them, what do they really value? They tell me and then I say, so are you doing those things in your weeks? Are you do are you doing those things day to day? Are you are you aware? Are you aware whether you are? And most people aren't, or couldn't give me a straight answer. Mm. And that's how I know that people are living so far out of alignment with their values that they've forgotten who they truly are, because those values aren't clear to them. Mm. But the beauty of it is, me at this age, I've worked every single day, week, now month, like tracking what I do tracking the actions I take daily, learning from the data and looking to continuously align my life more and more with what I value most and less and less of what's important to others. Mm. Now that doesn't mean I don't, I, I don't value what other people have to say or think or do or what they mm. need from me. It's just, if I put myself first, I actually have a greater capacity to be able to give myself to others. Mm. For as before, when I didn't value myself and I kind of bled myself for everybody else, leading to events where I threw myself in harm's way to get bottled, mm. then, I mean, that self-sacrificial way of living just wasn't serving me. And I wasn't able to serve anyone else because I was constantly giving from this empty cup. Mm. Mm. So I knew there had to be a better way to do it. And then I went on like a 10 year journey to then launching this business, figuring out a system of how to align my life with my values, to strengthen my boundaries, to be more of an influence and an example out in the world. I mean, mm. that's pretty much what's led me to this point. Like Heshan Fernando at 30 years old. Mm. There's like, you know, sometimes, you know, facing the truth is so hard. It, it, it like, sometimes we, we, we run all those different experiments, those different ideas in our head, but actually taking the action and, and doing something that you idolize or you think about becomes so difficult. And I know for you, you know, when you are bottled, you know, you went to hospital, that was really a pretty defining time for you to like be faced with the truth uh, and figure out where you're heading. Because the path you were taking, you can articulate this so much more better than I can, but the path you were taking was very destruct uh, destructive, 
um, not not someone or it didn't lead to someone who you wanted to be. Um, what did what did doing the work look like for you? Um, because it's incredibly hard, and <clears throat> for those listening as well, like having the right tools, the right people, mm-hmm. like these are all different ingredients that really form that picture. But yeah, for you, like what was doing the work like? So there's, I know this is a podcast, but I'm going to use her my hands. Yeah, <laughs> there's Hashan, the person on the right in my right hand, and Hashan, the identity on my left hand. And what I recognize is every single person has an identity and then that's trying to tell them what to do, tell them how to live, tell them how to think. And that's that voice that's constantly going inside your head that tells you to like binge eat when you're feeling stressed or, or be lazy today. You don't have to do that. Just go take a break. Like that voice that tells us to do something and we give into it. That's our identity speaking to us. And, but what I learned to do, and I can't remember, remember exactly the point at which I learned to do this. I did a lot of personal development throughout my twenties. And at some point I started to learn how to communicate with myself or communicate with my identity and read what was trying to show me about how to course correct the decisions that I was making to make higher quality choices for my life. So what I found was as I looked at my reality and I didn't like what was happening around me, as I was laying in that hospital bed and my whole life had fallen apart, my health, my relationships, my happiness, my family, my my career like nothing was going right for me at the time i was like there's there's something going on here that i must like i must be responsible mm. for like how did i end up at this point mm. and i recognized you're the common denominator <laughs> i was the common denominator in all of those things perfectly put and when i recognized that i had nowhere else to look but at myself for what was going on here mm. like what was it about me that had created the life in front of me And then I had that pivotal moment, which I think I shared in the last podcast that it was my internal state that was reflecting my my outer reality. Mm. I suddenly connected all the dots. I saw that the way I was thinking had led me to these points. I saw the way that I approached life was leading to the actions that put me in front of the bottle that day. Mm. And I got that granular with understanding just how powerful our minds are, just how powerful our identity is um especially when we don't have any awareness around how it's it's operating our own lives Mm. and what a lot of people are doing on this earth right now are walking are walking around with their identity running the show Mm. and a stress-centric identity that is chaotic addicted to dopamine addicted to excited excitement addicted to rushing addicted to performance Mm. and and externally validated by reward and recognition out in the world Mm. And when your identity is oriented in that way, it it doesn't trust you to steer your own life. And so what was happening to me was my identity was doing all these things, mm. screaming at me to try and change. And because I wasn't listening, it, it, it didn't trust me and it would essentially dictate my actions. Mm. And I was unconscious. I didn't know why I would get angry. I didn't know why I would snap all of a sudden. I didn't know how I ended up in that situation. I didn't know how I ended up in a lot of situations where I ended up hurting people as well. And I was like, that's not me. Why did I do that? Mm. And it wasn't me. It was my identity that I had formed from all the collective beliefs and decisions that I've ever made to form that identity up to that point in time. Mm. And the power of this is we have at any point in time, the ability to change our identity by becoming aware of how it's running us. Mm. Mm. 
seeing the patterns that are playing out over and over and over again in your life and recognizing that your identity is trying to show you something here because it gets louder and louder and louder and digs its heels in until you listen to it. Mm. And what usually happens, what happened to me was I wasn't listening to it all throughout my twenties to the point I got bottled. It would physically try to wake me up. It's saying, Hey, you're going the wrong way about things. I've been trying to tell you and you're not listening. Mm. And that's when I started inquiring within. And I went on this like very deep spiritual internal journey to master my mindset and stabilize my emotions. So I was coming from a less reactive place to life and a more res consciously responsive place to right life where I was calm under pressure in amongst the storms. Like you had your authentic self on your, I guess like your, you got hash on your right hand and your, your identity on your, on your left. Do you think the bridge is like your value, what you value, like what your values are, I guess? Like, for example, I'm sure like, Sunny, you've told me a lot of the times that one of the things that you value is connection with other people and you're currently in... Uh, a job that allows you to create those connections. You're currently part of a podcast that that allows you to create those connections and have those meaningful conversations. So it's like I don't know. I feel like at the moment the world. Is, but whereas like you, if you're if what you want to value, I don't, I don't, I don't even think I'm making any sense at the moment. By the way, mm -hmm. but yeah, um, you, are, you are. You are. But like I, I almost think like your your identity at the moment. Once you've aligned your yourself and your identity with by that bridge of value, right? You're at the moment then bring in this whole other environment of the world around you. I feel like at the moment, the world around you doesn't, doesn't really align with the identity that you have because the world around you judges you by different metrics. Correct. Mm. So Spot on. Oh, beautiful. That's good. <laughs> I actually understood that. <laughs> well, to put it in layman's terms, yes, values is the bridge between you and your identity coming together and working as one, not being this, identity crisis where your identity is trying to operate over here and you're trying to operate over there mm. but actually coming together the more and more you align your life with your values you become congruent mm. with it the more your the, the more your identity recognizes that you're actually putting yourself first that's what values alignment is mm. you're just putting yourself first in your days mm. um you know when to say no to people you know when to say yes to people because you're clear on what you value mm. and when you do that your personal boundaries strengthen and when your personal boundaries strengthen, you become more influential because you're able mm. to bend other people towards your needs versus the other way around when you're clear on those yeses and those no's. Mm. But yes, the, the initial part was the values part is where it begins. So what are your values, Hessian? Yeah, so great question. Uh, connection is one for me as well. Um, family, health. Uh, so like all relationships, health, being happy being peaceful. I think peaceful is at the crux of it. The foundation mm. of it is if I'm not peaceful in everything that I'm doing, then everything I'm doing is not worth it. Mm, if I'm in feeling insecure on the inside, if I'm feeling stressed out, if I, if I haven't forgiven that person and I'm just going about life, like it's not worth it. I think peace is the, the core of everything everyone should be going for and prioritizing as number one in the world. Why don't people do that? Because, because peace, <laughs> peace is stable. Yeah. yeah. And what I mean by that is peace is not exciting. It's this stable feeling. It's neutral. And a lot of us are addicted to chaos, excitement, rushing. 100%. Right. And that, that's, and, and we predicate our performance on those things. Yeah. So suddenly to be doing performance in a way that's peaceful and peace driving everything, there's no dopamine hit from that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
but what it does give you is your life like one thing that always like there's this guy um i read on twitter and uh, now and then when i have twitter <laughs> i go through my phases um he talks about like most of the diseases uh, most of the diseases of modern life is um abundance like we've been given mm. so much abundance of everything it's not it's not a question of scarcity it's because we're given you know too much sugar you know too much tech um you know everything is just like in abundance that's the world we live in whereas that might not have been the world you know 50 or 60 years ago and our brain is not like trained to process that non-linear like rapid abundance that we have around us yeah here's the thing with that though um i challenge this because i think abundance is good but it the problem is the way that we relate to it mm. right and so if we're in, if we come from yeah. this stress centric place then we're gonna like have too much sugar we're gonna have too much xyz that's not good for us the abundant but if we were coming from a peaceful place from a rest centric place where we were actually rather than being reactive to life responsive to life we would actually take that abundance and 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 use it for what it's meant to be for which is mm. to give us a great life because there are people out there i know that are doing really well in life they have everything they've ever wanted they have abundance um and they're happy mm. i think when people are haven't done the the internal work and they have the abundance it's like it's like a tool can be used any tool can be used for good and evil yeah mm. it depends on the internal state of the person if the like two people in the same scenario one person is inherently good another person is inherently evil or just stress centric let's call it mm. they're going to use that same tool differently <laughs> yeah. i love how you use evil <laughs> stress centric <laughs> well well it's it's interesting isn't it yeah Right. The point is, it's it's not the tool, it's not the abundance, it's the people and how they relate to that thing. Mm. That is the thing that needs to change. And that then again points the finger back at us rather than at the externals. Because mm. so often we get caught in pointing the finger externally rather than pointing the finger at ourselves and be like, where is our responsibility inside of what's occurring to us in this scenario? Mm. A common thing that I've actually picked up there is I think one of your and correct me if I'm wrong, and but one of this is one of the, I guess one of the observations that I've made around you, passion. It's it's around I guess like self responsibility and self onus. Mm-hmm. Like I used to be a victim of this as well. Like I used to always blame my ex- my external surroundings, yeah. and like the things that I couldn't control. Like oh you know this happened to me because I could I couldn't control that. I mean that's that's why this is happening to me, and I'm the victim here, right? But like I think the whole narrative shifts, and it's actually very empowering when you actually realize that you're the captain of your own ship you decide to steer it where you want to you decide to steer wherever your ship wants to go and like once you realize that power you actually can achieve anything like Mm -hmm. and i think like with one of the things that i get from you hash it's like it's like a very humbling like thought to have as well like this the fact that like this such a horrific event happened to you back in back in your 20s right and and if if i was in your shoes and obviously I've, i've had different experiences different upbringings different everything i would have been like this is this bad thing happened to me everything i did was right like i'm the victim here but the way that you've sort of explained it and the way that you've sort of come to terms with it is you've actually put everything back onto yourself and the question that i have around that is like is there a danger here of holding yourself to a very very high standard like is there a is there a danger of like going too far of you know putting too much self-responsibility on yourself good really good question i love that you challenged it um there was because at one point in time putting everything on me made me almost feel like I was constantly wrong at one point, or like I was the one that was at fault, even if somebody treated me wrong. Mm. 
X, Y, Z. Like, like there are, there are people out there. There are things out there where like people are at fault and you've had no, like you didn't do anything, right? That's going to happen in life. But what I recognized there was I also, there was something within me. There's something within my mindset. There's something within my collective decision-making up to that point in my life that even led me into this scenario. Mm -hmm. And my job is to find out how did I even end up here rather than saying, oh, this person isn't wrong. Like it's my responsibility to change it. That's not the lens that I take because people are, there are people who are doing the wrong thing. And that's something that needs to be addressed too. Because if we don't do that, then we allow people to walk all over us. And I used to do that for a while too. Because mm. otherwise it's been like, oh, it's okay. Like you did that. It's my fault. I'll take responsibility. That's not the way. Mm. Because if we do, if we go to that extreme, then people get away with doing things inherently bad and that hurt others yeah. without taking responsibility for themselves. Yeah. The, the point is everybody's responsible for the position that they're in and the actions that they're taking. So that person who's hurt you has responsibility to take, but it's not my responsibility to get them to take responsibility. Yeah. yeah. It's my responsibility to take responsibility for what I can control so that I don't end up in those situations again, going forward. Yeah. 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 So I can create a life of predictability where if that scenario pops up again, I've dealt with the pattern or I've dealt with the stuff within me that even put me in that position to be in that scenario to, for example, get bottled in the first place. The Hesh, you know, like a lot of people are listening for the first time as well. Um, and there was actually an interesting twist in, in that whole story. When you got bottled, you actually chose to forgive that person. Um, yeah. How did that sort of play? Obviously there's a lot of people listening in and um, how did that kind of play out? Um, yeah, both, <sighs> both the, actual action that took place but then to the thought process that you kind of went through to forgive the person yes so i mean long story short for the people who missed that um i was in court for i think it was about two years on and off with this person who hit me with the glass bottle right in a club um and i felt uh really angry for that whole period of time i was in victim mode i was being like, they did this to me. I did nothing wrong. They don't care. They're not showing remorse. Um, like I had all these thoughts going in my head and, and there was like bitterness and anger and resentment for those years and years beyond that. But I went on a journey to cut. And at some point in the journey, when I was looking at myself, I recognized that I had been holding onto this unforgiveness for this person in the form of stress in my nervous system that was sitting there and dictating all the decisions I was making going forward um in my life like and it was having an impact it had formed part of my identity it was keeping me stress centric and it, that was having an impact on the quality of my life going forward so i had a choice to make either i forgive this person or work, like work out what it takes to forgive this person so i can let this go for myself rather than drinking this poison and expecting that person to suffer hmm. or i can continue to hold on to it um and just not forgive them for the rest of my life. I mean, the, the choice was pretty clear to me at that point. Like why I my the quality of my life was more important. And I'd come to that point, but for a long time, being angry at them felt better. Like being angry at them allowed me to justify my position, why I was where I was in my life and why things were continuing not to get that much better. Mm. But after I did let go of that, after I did have the conversation with him, which was probably the most surreal conversation I've ever had with the person. Someone you spend 
uh, two years in court with, who is is like, it almost feels like that person's like your arch nemesis or your enemy. Like yeah. I've never met him, I've never talked to him, but in my mind, he's that monster, right? Mm -hmm. And we all have those people in our lives that come and go where we're like, you relate to them as that monster, like that you don't really want to associate with, that you don't want to do anything. So to have a conversation with the monster and then see that they're not a monster, but they're a human being who made a mistake mm. and hear them talk about their experience on the other side of it and their life going forward. I recognize me letting go of my, my anger, my hate towards that person, towards that, that circumstance was not only healing me, but him hearing that it healed him too. Mm. And inside of that, was also a beautiful, a beautiful teachable moment for people because there's so many people out there that aren't forgiving others and holding stress in their nervous system and letting that ruin the quality of the rest of their life. Some people go to their deathbed with these things. And it's a, it's a serious thing to think about. Mm -hmm. Like, are you more concerned with holding on to anger with someone who's not even in your life anymore? Mm -hmm. Or do you want to improve the quality of your life? take responsibility for the fact that you're holding this inside of you. And it's also your responsibility to let it go. Yeah. I think the choice was pretty clear to me at that point, but it did take me years mm. to get there. Not just mm. a little while. Is there room for anger? Is there room for like in, in, in any form of life and in, in reacting to any kind of type of situation? Is there room for anger and is there room for hatred? Yeah. Yes. Um, considering I was a person who constantly hated people and was always angry um i think i think anger i think there is balanced anger and then there's anger that just is reckless and and has impact on others and isn't taken responsibility for i think everything that is on this earth anything that we can do is inherently good and can be used for good and so i think that anger and hatred has its place because we should hate the things that are bad but then it comes down to, otherwise we're just letting those things happen and those things continue to impact our lives. And that's not good for us either. That's not the life we wanna live as human beings. Um, and that's that fine balance between having boundaries and versus, versus being like a complete doormat to people. Because mm. there's people who just don't get angry because they, uh, they don't, they don't wanna associate with that emotion. But then what that, what that allows is for people who will do them wrong to walk all over those people. And I've been in that scenario. I've also been on the other end when I've walked all over people who haven't gotten angry at me deservingly the way they should have. So I think anger has its place, but I think, I think we need to work towards a world where people are becoming less and less reactive, right? Mm -hmm. And if everyone, but the problem is there's going to be people that aren't for that or aren't even there, like in their mind to be able to think about doing that. So there's, the way the world works is there is good and evil. There is light and dark. There is night and day. There is duality mm. in my mind. So there's always going to be things to hate. But when hate consumes us, um, that's like, it's a balance, mm. right? Um, Zig Zink, uh, Zig, I'm not sure if you heard this guy, Hillary Hinton. Um, he's an American um, author. He once said that um, the first step in solving a problem is to recognize that it does exist. And I think like that in arriving to that that conclusion, um, a lot of self-reflection, a lot of um, introspection goes into identifying that a problem does exist. Um, and I think if you look at 
you know, a lot of these alcohol anonymous like classes and all the and all these things. That's that's like the first one of the first steps that 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 they they kind of go through. I'll be interested to know for you as for you as from from your personal experience as well. And I think like the way that you are today, something tells me that that something tells me that that this didn't happen overnight. It was a it was it was a process. How, how, how did it happen? Great yeah. question. I mean, that is, it's not easy before I tell you how I do it. And how I do it is when a scenario occurs where I get triggered, I look at that and I, and I ask myself questions. I've actually um, trained my partner to be able to ask me those questions as well. Now, yeah. like ask the question being like, what happened there? Or what was it about? And getting me to inquire into what's going on there or is that the root of that emotion or that triggering? Mm. Um, I'll give you an example. So yesterday we were just, I was just sitting on the couch. My partner was sitting in the, in the kitchen, uh, standing in the kitchen and she was making lunch, uh, making like a dinner meal. And I was like, oh, like you're making dinner now. And then she said, you never listen. I said, I'm going to work tomorrow. Mm. This is my lunch. Mm. And it was like out of nowhere for me. And mm. I got triggered. I didn't say it to her. My, my defense mechanism when I get triggered is I shut down. So I just go quiet, mm. right? And this is, keep in mind that like I do this work all the time, but there's always new layers that I'm working on, right? Mm. The point is I've just dealt with a lot of it, but there's still new things that happen. Mm. Now this happened and I went quiet. Eventually she asked me what's going on. Mm. And I said, and I struggled to voice it because there was pain there, it was sitting there in my chest. I didn't know what it was, but over time, as we were talking, I, 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 she asked the right questions being like, so why did you react that way? And then I'm like, I'm not sure. I think it's because, um, you said I, I wasn't listening. And then she asked me, okay, so why, why does, uh, me saying that to you, like hurt you or, or why did it trigger you? And then I'm like, I'm not sure. I think. I mean, I can't remember the trail of the questions, but the, yeah. where it led me to was that I felt like I struggled with listening or I struggle with um, retaining information from everybody around me. And I've lived mm. a life for a very long time where I've had to, I, I just think about myself. I mean, inherently, mm. I've had to only think about me and what I've had to do. And so now mm. with a partner, like mm. hearing details about her day, sometimes those things slip out of my mind. Mm. Is it because right. like one of your values, I guess, is connection. And then like, if the fact that you didn't really process what she was saying was like, oh crap, that's like, like again, going against one of my, one of my core values, which is connection and, and being present with others. Correct. So yeah, I mean, I think what hurt me on a values standpoint was I wanted to be this good partner who did mm. hear everything she had to say and didn't mess up or slip up mm -hmm. um, when it came to it. But the truth was I, which we came to, I admitted I'm just not that good at retaining this much information mm. about your days. Mm. And, and I think, uh, in terms of your question around asking, how did I do it? It's just asking the right questions mm. to get deep honesty from me. Yeah. So the deep honesty in that moment was like, yeah, I don't always retain what you say, but a lot of people wouldn't be able to admit that. Right. Mm, that, yeah. Like they exactly, would just be yeah. like, because they don't want to be that way. Yeah. No. But the truth is I am. So, and the power of that is admitting it allows me access to then get a bit deeper on that mm. because then she can ask another question.
Mm-hmm. Right. So it's just a series of asking why, like mm. why questions or what's that about. Mm. And then it's me just giving deeply honest answers for what shows up as a response. Mm. And, and it took a while to dance through and navigate through that conversation. Yeah. Now, the, the ability to ask the right questions is pretty much what I like. That's my mastery. Mm. Right. So that's what I do with the model man. Effectively, I'm a mirror for people and I ask the right questions that get them to get them to the truth within themselves that not, that they're not seeing about a situation. Yeah. Mm. And that's pretty much what I coach men on day in day out. They come to me being like, I'm stressed. I'm going through this. I'm going through X, Y, Z, but I'm like, that's all surface. Tell mm. me about like why you got triggered or what, what happened in that scenario that stressed you out. Yeah. And then I just keep inquiring, keep inquiring, keep inquiring, getting deeper and deeper and deeper to get them to realize things about themselves that they hadn't realized. Mm until they get to the point where they'll, they have this moment of truth. And again, the mastery inside of this is to know what that moment is. Cause as the, as the facilitator, as the mirror, I'm able to feel it. I'm able to see that they suddenly drop. They suddenly take a moment to pause and like, Oh my God, like that's my entire life. And that's the moment that I'm looking for where it's like, what's the truth in this scenario or like the limiting belief that's at the core of all of this trigger. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And getting you to be honest about it is the freedom. Yeah. Because what happens is it dissipates all the emotion tied to that limiting belief, all the anger, all the stress, maybe all the unforgiveness, whatever that stress type looks like Mm. that you've tied to limiting beliefs that we've uncovered will dissipate in the moment Mm. and no longer run you. Yeah. And what it does is it opens up access to me then giving a new way to think about that scenario. So you can go out into the world and take new action. The reason why people can't take new action on things is because they haven't gotten to the truth of what they believe about particular scenarios. Yeah. Mm. yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah that, that does. does. That does make sense. You know, Hesh, like maybe this might be a good, good, like um, a good segue into role models um, because growing up, I'm interested to know for you, like who, who were your role models growing up? Um, because I think that plays a huge part in the way we develop and grow uh, as individuals. Mm. There's two parts to that. Who were my role models? I'd say my par- I was around my parents. I was around basketball coaches. I was around teachers. Uh, did I consider them good role models? <laughs> no. And, and, and that's, again, the ability to be honest and be okay with saying that Cause this, like somebody hearing that might be like, oh, like you didn't consider me a role model, but I'm just sharing the truth. Right. And sharing it responsibly, of course, cause I didn't see these people as role models because they weren't embodying beliefs about life that were congruent with the way I, f- I felt about life. Mm. So if I use my parents in particular, amazing parents, but there was a lot of things that they believed about themselves and about the world that wasn't aligned with my views of the way I should live life and the world. Now, the problem for most parents to children relationship is that's often the case. Mm. Like the ch- because the child is their own person and they're forming their identity throughout puberty and into their early adulthood. And they're trying to form this view of who they truly are and, and what they believe about the world. And the problem is as parents, who are supposed to be guiding roles 
will try to project their views, will mm. often project their views onto the child, and there may be a clash. Mm. And I'm speaking in scenarios where there is clashes between children and parents, because there's also instances where parents, I think, do it in the correct way, which is um, speak to the children about what they believe, mm. share, but share their advice and allow them to take what they need from it, share consequences of their actions, again, take, allowing them to take what they need from it. And one analogy that I use is the whole, the whole um, like a child sitting on a father's lap, right? Mm. And this is what I think I call effective parenting 101, but it's really effective relationship building 101, where a child comes and sits on your lap, they come and share all their problems with you. As the parent, you listen, you offer your advice, you share the consequences of not taking that advice, you let that child go out into the world and practice and make their own decisions, being informed with what you said. Because all we can do as, with, as parents, I believe, in my experience working in organizations like the Man Cave and just working in that sector, is give advice, share consequences of not taking the advice that we give and share the why behind why we're telling them things. Because I think that was often a thing that my parents missed was telling me to do things, but not sharing why they wanted me to do it. Mm. And if they had done that, it put me in the position to be a, a, a participant in the conversation as a child. Where I'm like, oh, okay, you're telling me that. And then I can say, here's what I think, blah, blah, blah. And like, obviously not that eloquently because you're a child, but at least there'll be some sort of dialogue between the parents where it's not, they're just some dumb child, mm. but they're actually a participant in the conversation that you can have a dialogue with. Because I think mm. parents often look at their children as just children and not human beings that can actually have a conversation with um, at any age. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I think just, I can't remember that what that was tied into back to what mm. you were saying, <laughs> but I think effective parenting 101 is about just getting that, that whole thing that I just shared very clear. Mm. Yeah. Role models, yeah. Ah, uh, role modeling. Yeah, I role think model. that's effective role yeah, modeling. It is, and yeah, exactly. And I yeah. don't think my parents modeled that yeah but i think they've learned to yep mm. inside of the healing of our relationship and me talking to them about these things i mean i also understand that they didn't have anyone teaching them how to do that their role models weren't teaching them that in fact they were a lot better than the role models that they had yeah mm. right in 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 i don't know raising us to be i guess um the best children that we could be or the best people yeah. that we could be <laughs> yeah absolutely you know like as as south asians um a lot of the you know dads you know there's some wonderful dads out there um and then there's you know others that you know you and i have had hesh where you know we look back at it you know they definitely tried their best but there were definitely things that weren't received so well on on our end and so you know like a lot of them live in the shadows of the role models that they've had the people immediately before them, like in our grandfathers, but also all the people before them as well. And that's what we call like intergenerational trauma. Um, all three of us uh, in the room at the moment, virtual room, are equipped with the understanding of like resilience, emotional intelligence. You know, we've got that vernacular, that language that we're equipped with. And I think that's a wonderful tool uh, as we all enter like our own fatherhood journey. Um, for you, Hesh, like, what are you looking forward to the most, um, especially as you do embark on that fatherhood journey? Um, you know, whenever that comes, maybe it's in a couple of months' time or maybe in a couple of years' times. Um, like, what are you most looking forward to 
Um, and what is that role model that you want to be? This is a really special question because I get to look back on this when I have a child one day. Yeah. Hear yeah. what I said. Yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is holding you to account. Um, yeah. And I love that. I think the number one thing I'm looking forward to is being humbled by my child. Hmm. I'm not sure if that's the answer that everyone will give, but that's the answer that comes to me straight away. Why I say that? Because I think children have a lot to teach us about how we need to be in this world. Um, and um, a quote that actually my partner uh, said that has stuck with me, like a, like a seed that was just planted in me and has sprouted, is you'll get the children that you need. Mm. Damn. And I think that just plays out from generation to generation to generation to generation. And I'm going to get the child that I need to be better. Wow. But the beauty of this is I get to realize this now before it, before the child's come, because I'm going to go in with that attitude to raising my children. Does that mean I'm going to get it perfect? Hell no. I'm still, I still react every now and then. I still say the wrong thing. I still annoy my wife. I still mm -hmm. am a human being. Mm -hmm. But the difference is I'm willing to accept that when those things happen, I will take responsibility and not just say, oh, but I'm the parent. What I say goes or I'm the parent, so I'm right. I am more than willing to be a, a participant in the relationship between my children and I, and have dialogue with them where I am the father and I do offer them the advice. I share the consequences. I'm not, take, I'm not abiding by the things that I share, but then I let them go out in the world, practice, fail where they fail, succeed where they succeed, and come back to me when they want and sit on my lap and then share their problem, next problem. And then I ask them what they learned. And this just keeps repeating. And I'm willing to also learn from their successes. I'm also willing to learn from their, I know, their, they'll be more evolved, right? Because they're coming into a world that's very different from the world that I was born into. And so every generation, I believe, is supposed to surpass the previous. Mm. Supposed to. Does it happen all the time? No. Some, sometimes the trauma is too much and um, people go the other way, unfortunately, because they don't have the tools to deal with it. But I think inherently, we as children are meant to um, be the evolution of all generations previous and be the general generational stop, stop for any trauma that has been there collectively previously. I think we talked about this on the last podcast. Mm. And I think the way that I did that, I feel like I was the generational stop in my family. Because mm. I've heard my father's story. I've heard my father's father's story. I've heard my father's 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 story mm. as far as he's told me and shared with me because I asked him. And inside of that, I was able to understand how I came to be. Because mm. being born into this world, yes, I was pure, but I also carried the stress, the traumas of all the previous people before me, fathers and mothers, um, because my DNA is their DNA. Yeah. Mm. And so inside of that, those are the cards I'm dealt. And that forms like, I know the, the psychology of who I am as a human being from day dot. But as I evolve, I start to absorb the new world that I'm in that they weren't in a little bit differently. And that's what allows for evolution mm. and to do better than the previous generation. And I would hope, and I, I'm confident in that my children will do much better than mm. I've done. Yeah. 
Yeah. And that's how the world becomes better. And that's what gives me hope. Mm. Yeah. I want to I want to go back to what you said right, right at the start um, and how, the, I guess, like the permanence of what we're talking about right now. Um, this is this conversation is going to go up there and then, you know, um, you know, there's going to be 15, a version of Hash. <laughs> yeah, there's going to be a version of Hash who sits back and listens to this conversation. I think that's like, so I think I know I'm going a bit off topic here, but I think it's like a very interesting reflection to have. I mean, there's actually a version of ourselves that's going to come back and listen to this, right? And as we all know, life is fluid. There's a lot of things can change our own different different perspective. I and mean, who knows? Like in you know, in three four years time, you might have a different philosophy around how you want to raise your kids. And it's like it's a really interesting right. based on a new experience that might happen in the future. So I think it's a really like a really interesting concept that you sort of brought up there. Um, and again, I, what I love about um your sentiment and what i love about um your message is again it's around um self-empowerment and allowing and empowering your kids to actually go out into the world and you know learn learn their own life lessons because again it's those experiences that will shape them into the person that they will eventually become i think um and that's that that's what's happened with yourself that's what's happening with billions and billions of other individuals out there you know a question that i have around that you know there's a lot of responsibility that comes in with with bringing a new human into the bringing a new human into the world um what's one thing you're scared about i mean the honest answer is nothing and the reason why i say i'm not scared to bring a child into the world is because i just trust that things will happen as they're meant to be and i also trust that i can cope with whatever comes um, part of the human experience is to experience both elation, like the joys of life, the best things in life, and to experience like the death, the tragedy, the, the, the worst of the worst. And both exist in this world and always have. And what, I've, what I'm increasingly coming towards is an acceptance of both um, sides of the spectrum. And that is allowing me... Oh, sorry, guys. My child left there you go good what it's allowing me to do is come like come into that scenario being a father with a lot of peace because i know my child i'm going to do what i can to put them in the best position to succeed um and bad things can happen to them and i'm okay with that too because that's part of life um i've seen i mean there's so many things on the news we've seen recently about kids in in texas mm. and and like the worst of the worst that we see around the world. Um, and I see those things and I feel for those parents and anybody who's been impacted by those things happening. But the reality of it is like these things happen, right? And for me, I've come to an acceptance that they can happen to those people and it can happen to me. And inside of accepting that, it leaves me in a place where I can just focus on being completely grateful for every day I have to be the best version of myself, to get the most out of life, to live the life that I have while I have it. So if I don't come to an acceptance of things, those things are going to happen regardless of whether I accept them or not, right? So which choice am I going to go with? Am I going to not accept that these things are happening? Uh, like try and just focus on my own bubble and try to get my life as good as it is. But then when something tragedy hits, it's caught me off guard. Or am I going to accept that death is a part of life, tragedy, trauma, evil, all these things are there and they all have their place for reasons beyond why I understand or any of us probably understand, but I know accepting it gives me access to peace. 
And therefore I'm not worried about anything that's going to happen. Now, do I, do I have fears about life? Do I like get nervous when I think about going to the next stage of my development? Of course. Um, but I'm not scared of what's to come. I just have the reactions yeah. and I deal with them. I guess like fear and being scared is, I think that, yeah, there's a distinction there. I think you're right. I think yeah. like, um, obviously you can fear, like fearing these stuff will happen. Of course, that's a very valid emotion, but I guess like being scared is something you can kind of control in a sense. Like, I guess you can kind of be like, okay, like I can, I can choose not to be scared in this, in this particular way in, because, you know, you know, I think like, I mean, like if you're trying to control every single element of your life, then you're not, you may as well just live in a room and, and not go out ever. Um, yeah. And I did that. I locked myself in the last podcast. I locked myself in a room for years. I used to sit in the dark. I used to not go outside past my mailbox. Um, and the few times that I did go outside, I'd put on a mask and show that I was happy and having fun, but I'd come back and be miserable. Um, and I know what that's like to phys like physically, like literally live in the dark and live a life like that. It, it felt safe to me at the time, but really I was just in deep survival mode and I couldn't have any quality of life because I was just consumed by horrible thoughts 24 seven. And I mean, a big part of the why I do the work I do is because I sat in that for years um, and something kept me alive. And I believe for me, it's I, my, I have a relationship with God and I believe God kept me alive. And I think that's now led to me having this life where I'm helping people with all of these things. And because I sat in the pain and I felt the depth of it for that long day in, day out, with all the, the limiting thoughts you could possibly have in the world, I know how to help people get out of it because that's what I've done. Right? And I think we all have our own version of that. And I, that's where leading by example comes in because we've all led our own path. We've all faced our own traumas. We've all sat in them to different extents. And we have an opportunity to take all the individual pain that we've gone through as a person that nobody else could identify with and carve that into something that where we give out in service to other people because we've overcome that challenge. And you and I may have gone through the same thing, Mank, for example, in some scenario, but I will never be able to impact those people that you're in front of because I don't see them, right? But I, what I do know is I impact the people that are in front of me, which is why I love the power of something like this because people hear my voice, 800,000 people hear it. I don't know the impacts of that but I just know putting my voice in front of them and somebody hearing this could change their entire life, right? Some of the stuff on here, like they might be in a point in their life where they're sitting in a dark room right now and they listen to this and they're like, oh, this guy got out. How did he do it? And they may talk to me. They might go and inquire with someone else or maybe that just sparks a little bit of hope in them that they can actually do it themselves like I did, right? The power we have. People underestimate the power of our own words and the power of our own example. Mate, you are spot on. <laughs> you've definitely, uh, you've definitely impacted me. Like since we've connected, I still remember our first chat, Hesh. Like when you and I uh, had that event. I think it was in like it was actually in NAB. I think. Uh, yeah, it was it was Christians. It event. was Christians event for Timekeeper and Hunter was there and a couple of others. And then we took the train. We took yes. the train back from Southern Cross uh, and you were someone I just met for the first time that day. Uh, and here we are sort of talking about our dads uh, <laughs> and the life that created for us. <laughs> the irony. And I think I've, I mentioned this to you the other day. I think there are threads that connect particular people to mm. each other throughout life. 
where you may go away for a while and come back, but there's threads connect you. And I have, I feel like I've built a understanding of when that thread is connecting to me to someone. I think you guys, like I've been drawn into you guys on and off. You were the first podcast mm. I did before my business started to grow. Um, and now you come in at, a, at another mm. time where like my business is taking its next yeah. leaps. Um, and I, I just see the thread and that there's purpose behind our connection. Cause I think there's connections in life where you just connect and you, you, you leave the conversation better mm. than you came in and you make a difference to each other. But then there's, com there's connections that are in life that are rarer, that are purpose-driven. Um, and I have a bigger intended purpose for the individuals involved. Um, I think this is one of those um, connections. Absolutely. There's gonna. Yeah. I, I said this at the end of the first part. There was gonna be a second part. <laughs> we said at the end of this part, there'll be a third part. <laughs> um, uh, should we go to rapid fire and then um, close out with what's next for the model man? Uh, Hesh, like, of course, wonderful conversation. Um, but it wouldn't be a conversation done without a cheeky rapid fire <laughs> that, that Meg and I have put together. So again, I, I say this to every guest that comes on board. If you've done, if you've done your homework and you've listened to all our other episodes, <laughs> none of these questions would be new, <laughs> but, but uh, <laughs> I bet these questions, you're, you're betting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, we've got six, uh, six cheeky questions. Um, some of them, are you know, a bit quick and then some of them might require a little think, but um, nothing. I think we've, we've thrown enough curveballs your way uh, over the last hour. So <laughs> I, love um, I can start off. Uh, or Mang, do you want to start off? I'll start off. Um, all right. Let's a uh, bit of a bit of a drum roll. Uh, yeah. So this is a this is an easy one to cap it off. Um, what are the destinations for your honeymoon? And one thing that you're looking forward to? Uh, Italy. Uh, Italy followed by Greece, followed by Spain. Uh, one thing I'm looking forward to is uh, being overseas again. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just, yeah, straight up. Um, being And being in warmer weather. Oh my gosh, this weather is just hit like yeah. a ton of bricks. And both my partner and I were like, we need to get the yeah. out of here. <laughs> you guys got married at a good time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, perfect. Timing. What's an embarrassing fact about yourself? Mm. I mean, I mean, what came to me is I'm a walking. Oh no, my whole life's an embarrassment. So that's uh, fine as well. Yeah. <laughs> as in, you this you see this side of me, like I have this side of me, and I talk to people, but like I have this side of me that's also very just like <laughs> behind closed doors. Um, up, yeah, just like crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and and I've learned <laughs> to rain crazy heshing um, through my own work, but also. There is that part of me that just like, I, I end up in embarrassing situations a lot. And I think it's actually back to our like um, father conversation. Like it runs through the men in my generation. Like all of us are like walking <laughs> and we constantly embarrass our wives. Um, yeah, so I think that might be heroic. I got to get an Akshi on for an episode so she can, no, you, she, no, she, can share, she can share some of those facts. She would have a treasure trove of like embarrassing uh, Mate, facts. she's known me for over Dude, a decade. Dude, like, <laughs> spend five minutes with me and Sunny without a microphone in front of us. You'll get a new perspective on, on like how cool, what cookness it really is. <laughs> yeah. um, Wait, did you, did you say a decade? You guys have known each other for a decade. 
Yeah, we met in uni ah, um, what? over 10 years yeah. ago and then started dating two. Yeah, now, like it's been two years. Yeah, damn. So you guys were friends beforehand? Yeah, we were friends for years and nothing <laughs> was, was different and suddenly something was different when the time when the timing yeah. was right and we read the yeah. signs. Nice. And, I did not yeah. know that. <laughs> um, yeah. uh, third question. Uh, who is a friend that you cherish and why? Well, I mean, this is probably cheating, but Anachi is my best friend. Mm. Um, yeah, that counts. Yeah, okay. So then, yeah, she came into my life and has completely trans helped me transform the person I am. Um, a lot of this work that I've done in the model man would not be without her. Um, she, I feel, is the foundation of the work. Um, she's the feminine that uh, guides a lot of the work that I do, the, the listening aspect of it, the being able to inquire within, the just knowing myself as well and being my best self. She like she holds me accountable to that. Um, just because she has an unreal standard for life, like, and it's nothing to her. Like she lives like that day in, day out. Mm. So she is my best friend. Why I cherish her is because she she she's helped me become more more of the man i want to be and i couldn't have done that on my own yeah nice that's um you just friend zoned your wife mate but uh (laughs) (laughs) she's my best friend and wife she can be both (laughs) (laughs) no dude that was was really well said man that was really well said um Uh, you just got an insight. You just got an insight into how cooked we really are. Me and Sam. We gave you that. Don't worry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, hey, man, man, who are we fooling? Hesh is a smart guy, man. He's seen. Yeah, he, 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 he can, man, I reckon he can read us like a book, mate. I reckon yeah. he looks like he's like, dude, these, mate, he knows our values before we know ours. <laughs> <laughs> um, and last question, mate. Um, last question today. Last. Um, <laughs> oh, sorry, not last question. Second last question today. Um, bucket list item for you, mate. Bucket list. Mm. Well, I want to go to Japan. Like that—that's like a very easy answer. A bigger bucket list. I mean, the the truthful answer is I'm living the life that I want to live already. If I died tomorrow, like I've gotten to that place. Because every day I'm just doing what I want to do. I'm living life in alignment with my values and I'm continuously improving on that. There's no more that I could ask for. Now, Mm. coming back to that whole gratitude for every day that I have, um, I'm just grateful every day that I get another day to be a bit better than the previous or the previous week. So that's the way I'm living right now. So there's no like bucket list. It's like, oh, I'd love to do that in the future. I mean, there's things like, yeah, going to Japan, traveling to different different parts of Europe as well and stuff like that. But um, I think I'm, I've come to this place where I'm content with what I have. And because of that, I don't really have a list that I write down of things that I'd need to do or go. I'll let life guide me as that comes, but it's not like conscious for me, you know? Mm. Japan is wonderful if you do get a chance. It is me and May and Quinn with two others. Yeah. Oh boy, it is... <laughs> It is something else. Yeah, yeah we're, defi- we're definitely going to go. I think that's part of our plans uh, from yeah. after Europe. Nice. Nice. 
there's a there's an awesome ramen place um oh, i love ramen but when when you when you start planning we'll give you a couple okay, of good. recommendations that ramen we i think we went there like eight times oh, this is great um so, i mean our whole <laughs> yeah. our whole uh, trip was based off recommendations from different people that we trust who also like what yeah, we like yeah um yeah. just to get and then we just mush the trip together right so yeah. i'm gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> be calling on you both yeah done done um so that was our last question uh, sorry second last question uh, <laughs> getting uh the last question is um where can people find you hesh yeah. um and what's next for the model yeah, man so instagram heshan fernando coaching um that's my coaching page under the model man uh also on facebook there's uh the model man uh just facebook page uh you can find me just personally as well heshan fernando on uh facebook then linkedin as well is another place that i connect so uh, my linkedin is just heshan fernando as well you can find that um and you will see a tagline like stress-free performance coach hmm. um and what's next for the model man right now i've built this program success without sacrifice right and this has been the baby that i've built over a year to that i run with my clients now this program is transforming men's lives who are sacrificing themselves in order to perform, who are pushing down the stress, ignoring it, suppressing it in order to bulldoze through their performance. And I'm trying to break this performance addiction that men have. Like for every man that I can do it, like my, my life is more and more fulfilled. So um, mm. that is next is like scaling the impact of that program on people um and yeah right now i'm just doing a lot of calls with a lot of people sunny i've had one with you and we had a very yeah. <laughs> real conversation about very... life. um <laughs> mm. but this is what i love doing so the next steps for me is just to have more and more conversations with men who are ready to take the step to stop sacrificing what's important to them and start living a life that's congruent with what they truly value in order to be not only great at performers but be better role models and better examples out in the world for people um, and just ready to have that kind of impact from their example. So that's what's next for the model, man. Love it. We'll, we'll put, we'll put it in the show notes yeah. as well. Uh, similar to last time. Um, and people, I, I definitely recommend, I think, uh, has she organized like an introductory call for, for a couple of people. So we'll put, we'll put that sure. in the show notes, like some of the details around that. And, um, I hugely encourage anyone that's looking at taking the next leap. Um, I guess the next step when they are ready. I think that's a, that is a very, very big thing. Yeah. And, um, and keep in yeah. mind it is, uh, at the moment, men only. Um, and that's because yeah. we're just from my experience as a man, that's how I created the program. Um, but there will be, uh, for other gender associations in the future, we're looking to deliver programs like that too. But for now, this is my focus. So if it's, it's any men out there who are career professionals or business owners in particular, so mm. those who are calling out anybody who feels called to reach out to me and even just have a chat on DMS, like this is my mm. life. Like I love having these kind of chats. Um, yeah, my DMS are open. Mm. Love the work you're doing with the model man, man. And, and like, I, um, just wanted to add as well that like, you're a model and it's, you, I can just a model. Like I reckon you're just, you're just that good looking, like, you're just that good looking, as a, that good looking of a man. So I reckon, um, yeah, just, just, just keep, just, I don't know what it is, mate. Just keep on doing what you're doing. Mate. Just, just keep looking. Just keep, just it's keep, working. Your, your skin routine is just making me jealous and it's, it's making me question oh, my that, own manhood, that, so. That's all my yeah. partner. Like the amount of creams and all sorts of stuff I've learned to put on myself because she doesn't want me to have dry skin. Um, 
You can credit that all to her. I didn't. I don't think I even know what yeah. knew what La Roche Posay was until I met her. So um, I, I actually need to up my skin routine. I need to up my skin routine. So if she's well, got a, I wouldn't mind booking. I'll, uh, a, I'll send you a her cool booking t- link and you can <laughs> talk to her about La Roche. Actually, Posay. though, yeah, she she can knock out two clients in one shot. Me and Mank will jump on the same call. I just see you guys next time. You just lathered in cream. I'm like, guys, it's too, too much. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I use you, a bit of sukin. Now you know vitamin E, vitamin E in vac cream. That's, that's that's also really good. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, like on a serious note, I think a lot of men don't take care of themselves, and it, and part of, like they don't take care of themselves internally, and it's indicative of not taking care of your skin, not taking care of your body. Hundred. Uh, I mean, it shows up in lots of different ways, right? And we, I think men inherently, and it's not every man, but we just have an like a adverse relationship to taking care of ourselves, to putting ourselves mm. first, and. Uh, I know the cream thing is funny, but it's like actually to- it's been like a physio like a physical way of taking care of myself and mm. and almost ingraining the habit of taking care of myself daily. Awesome. Yeah. 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 Hundred percent. We we have to pick up this conversation. <laughs> but Hesh, thank you very much again. Let's definitely pick up this conversation because I feel like this is another area that we have to cover: skin routine okay, and gross. mental health. <laughs> uh, i'm telling you no one else um, out there is talking about this so yeah we definitely yeah mate the, the next the next leap of evolution mate that is uh <laughs> that is Just, where it's uh, uh creamy men um, around the world uh, yeah <laughs> chocolate chocolate colored men right here <laughs> um but yeah thank you heaps uh and looking forward to part three <laughs> in two years time again Might as well just lock it in now. It's, yeah. It's yeah we'll lock it in awesome guys thank you so much for having uh, me take care boom And that's a wrap for this episode. If you are enjoying our conversations, please help us out with a quick rate and review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. All the conversations are recorded in video, so check us out on Instagram and Facebook at our handle at BottledUpOz. Drop us a comment or a message if any of these conversations resonate with you. And most importantly, please share this podcast with anyone who might need it. So as always, this is Bottled Up. Thanks for being part of our family and see you next time.